Yo, what is going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the Quarterly Report Podcast, episode 167. Of course, y'all know who I am. I'm Armand Lee, your host, thanking every one of you all for rocking with me for an hour and a half or so. And there's so much to get to this week, man. The Halloween week, you know what I mean? The, the week right before election so much is happening right now in the world of sports and otherwise and i'm glad that you guys are going to share some time with me i'm going to break down the dallas cowboys right not because they're interesting not because they can turn around their season and whatever the case i want to break down our fascination with the cowboys because despite the fact that they're awful they're awfully ran They are awfully coached. They don't have much talent on the team. The talent is always overhyped. They routinely come in with the highest rated television games. They routinely have the highest jersey sales. You name it. So I'm curious, why are we as Americans so fascinated with the team that hasn't done anything for close to three years? decades you're not going to want to miss that that's in our fourth topic this week and we're going to step back into the square circle man the end of 2020 is shaping up to be a phenomenal close for the boxing world at large but did we potentially see a paradigm shift in the squared circle with lomachenko lopez two saturdays ago all of that and so much more but first Our number one topic this week, first quarter. If it feels like the NBA season just ended, it's because it did, right? The NBA season had a phenomenal restart, in my opinion. I don't think anyone would argue that. The restart, the postseason, we saw so much phenomenal basketball when myself included, so many people were hesitant. They didn't know necessarily how we felt about the bubble. We didn't know know exactly how we felt about the actual play. And from a just purely basketball standpoint, there is no real questioning that the NBA's restart in postseason was a just a complete success, right? And obviously it culminated with LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers winning another NBA championship. And now here we are just two and a half weeks later, we are hearing that the NBA may start their next season just days before Christmas. (laughs) And, you know, I, 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 there are a lot of emotions, a lot of thoughts that I have about that. Let me just try to check them off one by one. Number one, there was never going to be an easy way to transition back into normalcy, if you will. And, you know, the idea that we should be trying to get to normalcy is laughable still to this day. Uh, I I, I equate it to imagine if you're a homeowner, right? And there's a leak, there's a water main leak in your home. Now, every other day you wake up at, you know, maybe 7, 7.30 in the morning, you do your 100 push-ups, you know what I'm saying? You, you take your multivitamins and you, you, you do whatever. Your, your normal routine, right? Maybe you walk the dog first, whatever. But now there's a, there's a water break. There's a water main break in your home. Imagine you see this. You see the water everywhere. They may be even building up. And 
you're like, hey, man, I got I to gotta get back to normalcy, right? So you do your push-ups, you understand? You walk your dog, you take your, your multivitamins, you do everything else as if, you know, everything is normal, but it's not normal. You know, you're going to try to try to walk your dog. Your dog going to look at you like, Slim, you better call somebody to fix this shit. You feel me? That's what it feels like America's response, specifically the sports world response. The American sports world's response has been like, hey, man, we just got to get back to normalcy. There is, you can't be normal in an abnormal situation. And that's what we are facing when it's still to this day when it comes to COVID, right? But regardless, let's put that aside. The NBA and and every league, not just the NBA, there's going to be this odd transition phase, right? Where 2020 is done, whatever season happened in 2020, and leagues are going to try to kind of position themselves into going back to normal, right? We're seeing it with the NFL now because their season ended before COVID hit. So now... The NFL, this is their transitional phase. They're like trying to get back, and you're seeing each week there's another case. There's a player for the Jaguars who's been hospitalized twice, and now he's going to miss the rest of the season. God bless. I wish I had his name, but God bless. I believe he's a running back for the Jaguars. This is scary stuff, but every league is trying to get back to that word, normalcy, right? So here's the NBA. They're like, hey, man, we've got to try to get as close the 82 games, and it's close to a normal season as possible. So for us to do this, we're going to start the 22nd of December. And again, all of these are just reports yet, but this one felt like it was picking up a lot of steam. So if I put just kind of my logic aside, because I feel like, hey, you know, these guys probably need an offseason. Their bodies are just all over the place, right? You know, and you want to rest. But maybe the NBA is like, hey, man, we got to make this money. We got to get this money. And I get it because the reports are that this past season, they were a billion and a half dollars short of their projections for the restart. So, you know, hey, money speaks. Money talks in America, right? So despite the fact that I think most people were kind of cool with the idea of maybe a New Year's Day start or a Dr. King Day start in 2021, December 22nd, okay. No harm, no fouls. A very short offseason. It's probably going to put players and teams in a bind, but okay. No, I have no issue, no real big issue with that, right? 72 games is what has been reported. Again, y'all know me on this show. I think we should cut it down to 66, 60 to 66 games, perfect number, but whatever. Bong, I can deal with it. Second thing I see is that they plan on continuing Right, the playing format for the ninth and eighth seeds in the postseason, and we talked about this a few episodes ago, right? Where I was like, you know what, we can find a way if we just really think about it, right? And it it will be some trial and error, but if we really put our minds together, because the idea of having less travel, we saw it. The play was phenomenal. The play was so much better when there wasn't such a, a toll taken on the, the players' bodies due to travel. And there's all these different things. We're going to touch on that a little bit later, right? Just stay with me here. But one of the things also I felt when it came to the, the playing format is, and this is simple. This didn't even really take much thinking, right? 
if a Western Conference team misses the playoffs but has a better record than an Eastern Conference team that makes the playoff, well, then they should have the playing game, right? For instance, let's say uh, the New Orleans Pelicans finished ninth in the Western Conference, but they had a better record than the seventh seed in the East. Well, then they should play a best two out of three game with the seventh seed to, to take that berth, that playoff berth. Imagine what that does for the excitement of the league. That's more playoff games, which means more money. If who would rather, I mean, this is a bit dif difficult, right? Because this year the Nets were the seventh seed, but they were only the seventh seed because Kyrie and Kevin Durant didn't play. So let's pretend that the Nets are still the seventh seed without Kyrie and KD. Who would you have rather seen in the postseason this year? Zion, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, or... You know, I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie. I don't even know. Did, did he even go down there? Maybe it was Karis LeVert and Joe Harris, right? Of course, you'd rather see the stars. Same thing if Phoenix miss has a better record than the Orlando Magic. Well, then you have Devin Booker. Of course, you'd rather see Devin Booker than Nick Vucevic in the Orlando Magic. It just makes sense. But doing... But doing this thing where the ninth-seeded team in the conference can then play the eighth-seeded team if they finish within four games, it diminishes your whole regular season. Like, why are you going to play 72 games if, right, a team has a four-game advantage and they still have to play a kind of a playing game? You're telling the whole audience that, dog, our regular season doesn't matter. <laughs> like, I mean, it's, and again... That's the quiet part. Basketball fans already acknowledge that, that to the most part, the regular season doesn't matter. You watch for the athleticism, you watch for the storylines, the, the drama, whatever, whatever. But the games itself, the majority of teams who play in the NBA make the playoffs. That's like there's, there's 30 teams in the league. 16 make the postseason. That's, that tells you all you need to know about the regular season. Yet we want to still keep it 72, 82 games. It just makes no sense. There's no logic there, but whatever. I have an issue with that. Now, that's a, a real quick tweak, right? I, 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 I tweeted something about this when I first read the article and saw the reports. And then, you know, someone responded to me or replied, I should say. And they were like, hey, man, you know, Eastern Conference owners, they're not going to like that. That's probably not going to pass. And then I responded quickly to him like, the Eastern Conference owners, some Eastern Conference owners aren't going to like that, but you guess, guess what? The same number of Western Conference owners will. <laughs> so it's it, it's six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. And again, it makes the postseason better, and the postseason it's, is what drives the dollar amount. So if we're doing everything because of how much money you were going to get, fuck it. You know what I'm saying? Let's go all the way. Let's give the better product let's give the best product like man if they do this playing thing i don't mind it but it needs to be we need just to put a little bit more thought behind it because i don't want to see the orlando magic in the playoffs when you know the portland trailblazers or the san antonio spurs or the phoenix suns or the new orleans pelicans i mean look at the western conference there's really only one bad team out west and that's the minnesota timberwolves Sacramento's not a bad team. 
In fact, if Sacramento was in the Eastern Conference, they would be better than the Orlando Magic. Golden State was, they were completely dismantled last season. So you know, just so just think about it, right? The Pelicans missed the playoffs. The Spurs missed the playoffs. The Blazers just snuck in. The Grizzlies missed the playoffs. And now you add Golden State, who missed the playoffs last year, to the mix. So another one of those teams have to fall out. Look at all of the star potential. Look at all of the phenomenal play, the exciting play. Imagine missing Damian Lillard this year, but still getting Nikola, Nikola Vucevic and, you know, DJ Augustine. Like, who's signing up for that? And if you're going to do a plan, right, if if we're going to go with the idea, like, hey, we'll give this ninth-seeded team a chance to get into the playoffs, well, why wouldn't you just go all the way on that, right? You feel me? Like, don't don't play with me. If you're going to go, let's go. You understand? Like, if you will say, hey, man, let's go outside and play basketball, don't then take me to some little rinky-dink eight-foot hoop. Like, dog, if we're going to play, let's play for real. If you are going to give teams the opportunity to catch up or make a postseason run, if you're just going to come up and create that idea, well, do it to where everybody gets something that they want. I don't want to see. I don't want to see DJ Augustine and Evan Fournier. I want to see Damian Lillard. I want to see John Moran. I want to see Zion Williamson. Because if you don't do that, you're basically saying, hey, man, y'all don't have to really watch the 72 games. Just watch, you know, just watch the last five. And then you'll, you'll, you'll get an idea of what happens. In a year where everyone talks about ratings, right? Where everybody complains about ratings. Who do you think rates higher? Simple question, right? I, I think it's an easy answer, but hey, maybe, maybe not, right? So that's the second thing off the list. So, you know, the first, first checkpoint is like, hey, you know, seven, you know, they're coming back and they're coming back kind of early. The Dr. King Day would have been dope. New Year's Day would have been dope. But I'm not mad at December 22nd, three days after my birthday. Cool, whatever. I could I could get with that. They're going to keep the plan. Second checkpoint, right? Keep the plan. Okay, I'm cool, but n- not like this. Like that kind of bothers me. You know what I'm saying? Like this don't really make any sense to do this. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't want to see, you know, the Atlanta Hawks or the Detroit Pistons have a chance for a postseason and then see a team who has a better record than them in the West, see that someone like the Grizzlies not get an opportunity or the Blazers not get an opportunity or the Suns. Like, come on now. That don't make any sense. I don't want want to see the Pistons. I don't want to see the Cavaliers. I don't want to see the Knicks. I'm a Knicks fan, and I don't want to see them. And here we go to our third topic. Third and final topic, and this one is a little dicey, right? Because we have all complimented, and it goes back to kind of what I was saying earlier, right? Trying to get back to normalcy. One of the things that I think we all, if you're a sports fan, can kind of, you know, be proud. I don't want maybe proud is not the word, but, you know, kind of tip your cap to Adam Silver and the, the, the minds at the NBA for putting forth the bubble, 
Now, they weren't the first lead to have a bubble, and they weren't the only lead to have a bubble. But because I'm talking about the NBA, I'm not going to talk about all these other leagues with bubbles, right? I'm going to focus on the topic at hand. And the NBA deserves so much credit because they pulled off this bubble atmosphere. I did not think basketball without fans was going to be fun. It was. I didn't even, you didn't even notice it. Right, that having the fans and the, the 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 virtual fans, that was a dope touch. It looked cool. It sounded cool. You watch some football games and the crowd is cheering, and it just seems weird, right? Because you can see the stands are empty. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, and then they cut to the touchdowns, and you hear everybody on the field super clear. Well, in the bubble, it the production value was phenomenal. Everything went off without an issue. And again, fighting for normalcy has the league saying, hey, now, you know, we're not going to be able to keep our players in a bubble for six months. And that makes sense, right? The the players aren't going to stay in a bubble for like I can only imagine how insane that would be. However, this fight for normalcy, trying to get back to 82 games, trying to get as close to 82 games as you can, starting as soon as you possibly can, not not trying to factor in breaks, trying to not trying to adjust current events and the current circumstance to what is best for the players and what's best for the health format, right? No. What is happening is this rush to normalcy is now preventing the bubble to come back. The bubble which health experts, uh, diehard fans, players, media members, I mean, pretty much everyone across the board had nothing but rave reviews about the bubble work. The bubble works. We know this. Look at every other league that has tried to play outside of a bubble and look at the leagues that played within one. It's night and day. But this quest for normalcy, especially as we are having record-breaking cases it's just now starting to get cool in on in, in the country. It's just now starting to get cool. And you're seeing record-breaking daily cases of COVID. Imagine if you're having a basketball league now where there isn't a bubble. It, it's just like they're going to be doing exactly what happened, what's, what you're seeing in the NFL. It's just crazy. We keep on, again, back to the, 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 the normalcy when your, 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 your home is getting flooded. We keep on pretending or trying to pretend as if we are not still currently fighting a pandemic in which thousands of people are dying each week. Tens of thousands of people are dying a month in the States. It, it's, I don't know <laughs> Why we we why this is so hard to kind of grasp, and I'm not going to stay too long. I've I've given plenty of social commentary over the last few weeks about uh, state of affairs and with the election looming. I'm sure there's probably one coming next week as well. But you know that's the thing that's still off-putting. Like the NBA received great grades, and I understand money moves everything, and money wins the day. I get that. But at some point, we have to check our lust for money, right? At some point, because lives are at stake currently. Still, 
again, I, I keep coming back to this. We stopped in March. We shut the whole country down in March. Things are worse now. It doesn't make any sense. Like, I don't understand. Like, the logic doesn't make, it's not adding up. If we were, if we were aware, if we understood the significance and the severity of, of COVID in March and we shut down, now the cases are getting worse. We've already seen 215,000 Americans die. So we actually have tangible evidence how bad it could get. And we're all like, all right, man, whatever. Let's let's play basketball. Right? Like, really? We're doing basketball. Like, that is what that's the barometer here. We're cool with just having people fly around the country playing basketball. Despite the fact that the scientists, the science works. Play in a bubble. Test often. I'm excited because I love the NBA. I love the NBA. And when the restart happened and when the postseason happened, I mean, when the beginning of the postseason was phenomenal. It was games every day, four games every day. Oh, my goodness. It was, it was a basketball fan's dream, and I loved it. But again, I have a conscience, <laughs> and I feel like I'm, I'm going, I'm resorting back to similar positions I had in July. Like, yo, is it really worth it? Like, can we not just wait? I must be missing something, and I understand there's so many millions upon millions, maybe even billions of dollars, so much money my mind can't even compute it. I get it. I get it, but how much money is one life worth? I'm glad I don't have to make that decision because clearly that calculus is being made over and over again in all of these professional leagues. It's happening. It's happening in the college ranks. There is, there are people involved, make no mistake, who are saying, hey, we can potentially Stave, scave off one tragedy. Like, there, it's, someone is drawing the line. Make no mistake. Like, we could probably handle two of these. Three? Eh. If it's a superstar player, good night. These conversations are having, and it's disgusting just to even think about it. And for what? So we can have an all-star game? To not inconvenient because we are so, we are so lusty. We are so enamored with returning to normalcy in an abnormal circumstance. It just doesn't make any sense. I treat the NBA probably a little bit harder, you know, you know what I mean? Like, you know, the teachers were harder on the students that they knew could get it, but just were loafing. You know what I mean? Like, if you were a teacher, and I've never been a teacher before, so, you know, I, I don't, I can't say that I understand completely. But I, as a, you know, as a parent, as someone who's volunteered with children, I think I can understand. Like, when you see someone, when you see anyone, not just a child, but anyone who has the potential to be phenomenal, I mean, just be outstanding, you push them a little bit harder because maybe they aren't applying themselves 
the way you know that they can. And sometimes they just need that little bit of a nudge to get it. I'm harder on the NBA than I am these other leagues because the NBA will show you. They'll brag about how smart they are and how much of a conscience they have. And oftentimes they will show you, but then they always come back to this. And, you know, maybe it's unfair because in America, it always comes back to the dollar. It always does. No matter route, what route you take, you're going to come down to that green, that green, that green devil. And the NBA seemingly is going, despite the fact that they were applauded for listening to the science, despite the fact that they were applauded for making sure health was a priority. It's almost as if now they're like, all right, and again, I don't know. Maybe they'll figure out a way to listen to the scientists again. I don't know. But what these initial reports are showing is like the NBA, just like the big brother in the NFL, when it when push comes to shove, it's always about that bottom line. Wanna hear what you guys think? Again, I, I'm really big on this kind of playing thing. Like, I really think if you're a Western Conference team who finishes with a better record than the playoff team in the East, you should be able to challenge them. Like, dog, I want your spot. King of the court shit, man. Come on, we all know this. I think that would be dope. Again, the view, more viewers, I, I, I refuse to believe that people would rather watch the Orlando Magic than the Portland Trailblazers. I refuse to believe that. Or the New Orleans Pelicans. I just don't, I won't, in my mind, my mind won't even imagine that. But I could be wrong. If you want to challenge me, if you question what I feel or you think I'm wrong or whatever, let me hear your thoughts. Email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Tweet at the show at quarterly show. And again, you can always leave a review, leave a note, leave your thoughts on iTunes pod, or Apple Podcasts, excuse me, Stitcher, Spotify, or Google Play or wherever else you listen to podcasts. All right, guys, that's our NBA topic this week. That's it. Again, nothing really to talk about in the basketball world, but there's still plenty of other sports topics to get to, including a final month and a half or two months and a half of phenomenal boxing starting this Saturday night. All of that and so much more with our second topic. This second quarter. The last two weeks I've kind of talked about just how big Lomachenko Lopez was for the sport of boxing and not in terms of garnering interest though we did touch on that but just in the ring kind of what that match meant and what that victory and how that victory I should say can be used as a launching pad for Teofimo Lopez and how he truly had a superstar making uh, fight two Saturdays ago. But now, the importance of that fight is now starting to take shape in more ways than one. This comes from Sports Media Watch. The main event, just the fight, the fight between Teofimo Lopez and Vasily Lomachenko was the largest or the most viewed fight in the sport over on television in three years. Three years. And the, the one that was a, a fight between Jeff Horn and, of course, Manny Pacquiao. Manny Pacquiao had had a run of pay-per-view fights up until 2017. So the fact that Teofimo Lopez 
and Vasily Lomachenko, guys who had never been on main event uh, pay-per-view fights, guys who had, for the most part, aren't well-known into sports fans, they could do something and rival that of Manny Pacquiao is a testament to not just those two fighters, but the sport at large. What happens when boxing promoters and boxing, you know, I truly I truly feel for the most part that the fighters will fight whomever. The ego with elite athletes doesn't matter the sport. Their ego is something that, you know, is pretty much unrivaled for most of us normal citizens. The ego of elite athletes, they feel that they are always being tested and they always have to prove that they're the best. Always. It just never stops. That's why you find... Gilbert Arenas playing basketball at Barry Farms or KD going to the Rucker or Kobe, God bless the day, going to, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like that stuff, it just is in them. You can't coach it up. You can't try to, you can't try to, you know what I mean? Convince it to come out. It's just, it's there. The best of the best have that competitive drive. It's something that when you see it, you just kind of are taken aback because most of us are not wired that way. And I think boxers, even to a larger degree, it's even magnified because it's, you know, it's, you know what I mean? The, the, just the truest form, right? Fight. Can I beat this dude up? Can I win if I went toe-to-toe with this person? You know what I'm saying? So I don't blame boxers for these types of fights not happening. I blame everyone else. But... When you see the success that Lomachenko and Lopez had, man, it, it it starts to shine a light. Like, yo, this could be normal. This could be what what should be expected. For generations, it was. The best get in there, no ifs, ands, or buts. You figure it out, man. You give us the fight. I know these dudes want to fight each other. Well, I shouldn't say I know. I'm certain some of these guys really want to fight each other. I'm certain Spence and Bud want to fight each other. I don't know if Canelo wants to fight Jamal Charlo, but I mean, I'm sure if it, if like the money wasn't involved and it just was like, yo, let's just get in the ring and just, in a gym and do it. I'm sure they would want to. Like, there's so many fights that are out there that you just like, this should happen. This should happen. This should happen. But the problem as a boxing fan is that you know all too well. There's a real chance it won't. And case in point, I've been saying this pretty much since we started doing this show three and a half years ago. I don't believe that Errol Spence is going to stay at 147 for much longer. In fact, I said a few years ago, I don't think he does it past 2021. I may have said 2020 would be the last year, but because 2020, you really... I mean, he's only going to fight one time. I'll give 2021. But the point still remains. Spence is a big welterweight. He's not a real live welterweight. You know what I mean? He makes weight. I can only imagine the hell it is on his body to make weight every year or whenever he fights. Because he probably walks around at 160 to 157. And you start thinking and then... Spence comes out with the interview this week and he's like, yo, I'm thinking about going up and taking on Canelo at 160. Now, 
It's also important to note, Canelo not fighting at 160 anymore. Now, he may be convinced to do it to fight Spence. I'm sure Canelo and his camp, whomever they may be now, will be paying attention to seeing what that number, December, I want to say, 1st is when Spence fights Danny Garcia on pay-per-view. I'm sure they will be focused on what number Spence can draw because, look, if Spence gets 300000 or more in this climate, you can go ahead and stamp, stamp him as one of the biggest draws in the sport. He's gone 400000 400000 two times in his first two pay-per-view fights. Both of those fights were actually compelling fights, really big fights. If you guys remember, Mikey Garcia was a top 10 fighter pound for pound when he fought Spence. Mikey moved up two weight classes, so whatever. But Spence boxed a, a, a truly perfect fight. And then, later that year, he fights Sean Porter in the, in the match of the year. So, Spence delivers. And, you know, and it's also important to remember, especially off the heels of talking about having Lomachenko and Lopez on ESPN, remember how Spence was brought along. Spence was on television all the time. And he was on Showtime. He wasn't really on... I don't believe he was on the Fox broadcast until he, he really got big. But he was on Showtime all the time. Algeri, Showtime, uh, Lamont. I believe that may have been a Fox fight when he fought Lamont. But Kel was Showtime. I mean, Spence was out there. And he built up a reputation of being an exciting fighter. And now he's getting, you know, the fruits of that labor. But the sport can't still exist in this 1990 mindset where pay-per-view is everything no man again we we talk about ratings all the time ratings is a is an outdated way of, of understanding the new generation's interests right you can just go on twitter and find out all of these pirate sites and you can i mean i got partners who that's all they do they just oh i know this is this site right here boom 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 i just do this i click on this and I'm good. I don't ever pay for pay-per-view fights. And why should you? That type of stuff is readily available. Bama's, I remember when Floyd fought um, McGregor, people would, would, would went on Twitter and they live and they recorded it and just broadcasted it live. Dog, the technology is at a point now where if you are still living on this antiquated, outdated kind of, you know, way of either generating or broadcasting or trying to understand the viewers. Like, it's all gone now, man. We're, we're, you're using dial-up, like I said last week. So, Lopez Lomachenko has showed the world, dog, pay-per-view ain't it. Teofimo Lopez was in front of 2 million people when the World Series baseball game or NLCS baseball game was going on, when Alabama, Georgia had just finished. So all these eyes are on him, and he looked like a superstar. And now Spence is like, dog, I'm tired of waiting at 147. I know who the cash cow is in the sport. Most people feel that he's the best boxer in the, in the, in the sport now, in Canelo. Dog, if Spence moved up to fight Canelo, that's, that's it. That's, that's, come on. Regardless of how you feel that fight will go, and I think, while I think Spence will probably do a bit, a, 
a bit better than most people view. I mean, Canelo, Canelo's a huge guy. But I'm just happy that he's even thinking about it. Now, we can also start to, to debate whether or not Spence is using Canelo as a tactic, right? You start talking about Canelo right before your fight, you're trying to generate interest. We'll see if that works. We'll see if that's even what it was. But I was, when I saw Spence, because Spence doesn't really, you know, him and him and Crawford go at it from time to time on Twitter, but Spence don't really run his mouth like that. So when he said Canelo, in my mind, I was like, yo, I was getting super excited because number one, I've always felt that Spence's time, Spence's time at welterweight was, was numbered. He's not going to keep on trying to, he's not going to keep putting his body through that, trying to make weight. It's not, especially considering how, I mean, there's really only one fight for him at welterweight. And if Bud, whatever is going on with top ranking Bud, it doesn't seem like it's going to be finished or be, um, they won't come to some type of resolution before 2020. Now, what also raised my eyes, my eyebrows this week was a interview that Terrence Crawford had with the athletic. And he's saying, yo, I don't know what the future holds with top rank. Speaking about his partnership with top rank. I think what, what you've seen is PBC probably put the squeeze on, Bud, and Bud realizes, and this is something that we've been talking about on this show for a while as well. Dog, the long game just isn't in Terrence Crawford's. It's just not in the cards for him. Terrence isn't a guy who you look at is like, oh man, he could probably move up to middleweight. No, him moving up to 147 is like, okay, you can see he's a welterweight at best. Maybe he gets up at 154. 160 is not something that he's going to be able to do. You can just look at his body and tell where Spence is just such a huge guy. You like, yo. You could tell Spence has probably multiple weight classes that he can get to. So the big fight for Bud is Errol Spence. And Errol Spence has shown the world that he can, people will spend money to watch him fight. People have not been that way with Terrence Crawford. Terrence Crawford has not shown himself to be that same type of fighter. No disrespect to Bud. I think he's one of the best fighters in the world. But people do not spend money to watch him fight. So his options at 147 pretty much at this point are solely dependent upon Errol Spence, whereas Errol, he can fight almost anyone. And again, we'll see what he does against Danny, but he generates money. And if he feels, and if he's, if it's legitimate, that he's like, yo, Canelo, I want you at 160. You know, again, money talks. I don't know if Canelo's, trying to cut his weight to get down to 160 anymore. I don't know why he would do that. Canelo can make money in his sleep. And there are plenty of fights, plenty of interesting fights to see Canelo at with 160. But the way things are moving in boxing, and again, we have to wait to see what happens in December, but we are looking in America, at least North American sports that, Arrow Spence is quickly moving up that ladder and possibly into that second cash cow status of just North American talent. And if he can solidify that with a huge rating and a huge draw this December versus Danny Garcia, all bets are off. And again, 
it just adds to the phenomenal ending that boxing potentially has in store for 2020. All right, guys, you heard the horn. That means we are at halftime this week, at halftime. Again, before we start halftime, I want to make sure you guys know all the places that you can get in touch with me and make sure you guys know how to leave and rate and uh, review the show for the world to see. Okay, you can email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. You can tweet at the show at quarterly show, but make sure you download and subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you listen to uh, podcasts. Download and subscribe to the Quarterly Report Podcast. And if you guys do not mind, make sure you leave a five-star review and leave a nice review of the show yourself. Tell me, tell your friends, tell the world why you love the Quarterly Report Podcast. All right, guys. So in the sports world, it's been a lot of things to discuss. And we still have two more topics to get to this week. But for halftime, I'm going to focus in on the biggest story this past week. Slim. Jeffrey Tubin somehow found himself pulling out his joint in front of a Zoom conference call meeting. Now, when I first heard the story, I'm like, man, this dude is a dickhead. He's pulling out his stuff, his genitalia in front of his co-workers. Like, like who does some shit like that? Like, why would you just pull out, you know, your stuff and start handling business while you're on a conference call? Then you start reading the story more, and apparently the... The guy thought he was on a private Zoom call. So he's doing a conference call with his uh, co-workers at the New Yorker. And I believe he receives another Zoom call and he thinks he's on that Zoom call, right? And it's a private one with somebody. I don't know whatever his case is. But unfortunately, he was still able, he was still seen by his co-workers at the New Yorker. And this whole thing gets put out on blast again. If he, if that's a lie, he's a dickhead. If, you know, if he's telling the truth and he thought he had, you know, a, a private Zoom call meeting, he's a hornball, right? But hey, man, you know, which one of us aren't? But he's just completely idiotic for doing that in that situation, not, not having that thing, you know, secured to the fullest. And now you have to live with that for the rest of your life, which I can only imagine that being so embarrassing. So either way, it's an awful situation for this person. So I'm thinking to myself, man, you know what? When you have heartburn, there's something for you. When you have erectile dysfunction either, they got something for you. They broadcast it on television 24 hours a day. But when you lack common sense or even decency, where do you turn to? Well, We here at the Quarterly Report have your answer. Take a listen. Do you have a problem not being a pervert? Does your sexual desires often put you, your family, or your career at risk? Have you never learned basic self-control? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I've got the perfect product for you. Hi, I'm disgraced former New York Congressman Anthony Weiner, to tell you about a form of medication I wish I had 10 years ago. From the makers of emergency comes decency. No more acting like a cretin or an animal in heat. Get basic discipline and decency that most preteens and pets have mastered, but your degenerate ass still struggles with. Side effects include respect for women and yourself, lasting and meaningful relationships. 
more quality time with your friends and family, keeping your home clean, reading, higher self-esteem, less time playing video games and watching Pornhub. When you're ready to stop being a degenerate and a disgrace, try a little decency. You know, it shouldn't be so much to ask just to keep your genitalia in your pants while you're working. You understand? But for <laughs> it just happens so frequently now. Like, it's just like that story with Jeffrey Tuba. Let, let me just illustrate just how wild shit is now in 2020. OJ Simpson. OJ motherfucking Simpson went on to his platform and started cracking jokes at Jeffrey Tubin. For those of you who do not or are not aware, Jeffrey Tubin covered the OJ Simpson trial and then he was like a, a writer for the People versus OJ Simpson, the the book and then the television show. So, you know, OJ probably had a lot of stuff he wanted to get off on Jeffrey Tubin. But like think of the lack of shame. And Slim was allowed to get it off. <laughs> Dude who was a part of a double homicide 25 years ago is chilling somewhere, has become something of a pop icon in our country, and he gets and he gets shots off at Jeffrey Tubin. Slim, we in a pandemic. I get it. Things are hard. People's social lives they've been they've been put. You know, it's an added, you know, hurdle. There ain't no excuse for this, Slim. Like, you can have sex regularly. Like, easy. You don't even have to try out here, Joe. You pulling your joint out over a Zoom call? First off, Slim, ain't no young and try to see nobody else's dick, dog. Like, <laughs> let's just be frank. You, I don't even... I'm not even going to try to discuss it anymore. That was halftime, ladies and gentlemen. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to move on. We moving on. But Slim, come on, Joe. Like, like, let's let's act like we got some sense. You feel me? Like, that should be the bare minimum. Like, we should be able to... The, these instances should not be happening at the frequency. Ask one of your homegirls. Ask your girlfriend. Ask an ex, uh, a relative, anybody that you cool with enough to ask this type of question and see... It's alarming. The women that I'm in contact with, they be like, bombers get this stuff off, try to get this stuff off all the time. And I'm just thinking to myself, Slim, why are we such tr so trash? That should never happen. Whatever, bro. Whatever. The first half is in the book. So hopefully you guys enjoyed halftime. We still have two quarters left before we finish off this show. I'm actually really enjoying this show thus far. Hopefully you are as well. And we're going to keep things moving, man, because we head into the gridiron for our third topic this week. Third quarter. One thing that I strive to do on this show is to be as relatable as possible, to be myself, right? And not to get on here and be a, a, just an asshole. You feel me? One of the things that I can't stand when I, when I first decided to do this show was, you know, how people who talk in sports radio or, or other podcasts they will, they will fight on the lie. It's like what uh, Slim Charles said to Avon. If it's a lie, we're going to fight on the lie. Nah. <laughs> like, nah, that may work in the, in the world of West Baltimore. But in sports, nah. Don't do that. And, you know, recently I made a big deal, probably about over two shows about Cam Newton. And I called Cam Newton the logic buster. And now all these NFL teams who passed on Cam Newton, specifically because he how cheap he was, they're made out to be fools. 
And then Cam Newton had two of the worst games of his career these last two weeks, including last week against the 49ers. And I got to come to you all and be like, okay, I'm not ready to say I was wrong, right? Because two games does not make an entire season. But my argument is not anywhere close to being as strong. In fact, you can always, oh, here we go again. Uh, look who's returned in just a week before the election, no less. Kind of odd, don't you think? Hello, Armand. I like where your head is at. But truth be told, my team and I haven't really interfered with American politics recently. I mean, sure, we gave you all a bit of a nudge back in 2016. But truthfully, you guys have taken the ball and ran with it. We down here are very proud. So we don't have to worry about you doing anything crazy next week? Trust me, we are happy down here. It's the big guy you guys have to worry about. I've seen him shut things down and start over for far worse than what you all are doing. <laughs> well, that's entirely depressing. Let's try to lighten things up a bit, shall we? Okay, this week, I want you to play devil's advocate on your boy, Cam Newton, being better than what he has showed the last two weeks. All right. Well, you know what? This is a bit tricky because, again, literally right before Cam Newton's return, I was screaming to the to the high heavens. Like, I'm not saying that Cam Newton is one of the game's elites, but you can't tell me a former league MVP, someone who has dominated without the offensive skill weapons that other quarterbacks take for granted, that he's not among the best 12 to 10-ish quarterbacks in the league, definitely in the top half. But yes, these last two games, Cam Newton has not looked very good. There is no argument here, but I, I think we are ignoring the elephant in the room. We are seeing phenomenal football players, phenomenal athletes all across the athletic spectrum put themselves on the line, not just in their field of play, but also during a pandemic. And Cam Newton just returned from the COVID list. He, he literally had COVID-19. And unlike most of us who may or may not get it, who, who do come across this disease, we chill out in, in, in our rooms for 10 days or so. We eat, we, we rest, we take care of ourselves, and God willing, we're able to bounce back, but then ease ourselves back into our normal reality. And normal for 99.7% of the human race isn't any type of excruciating physical activities. Not anywhere close to football. Cam Newton, he gets sick. He misses two games, and then he's back playing football. Like, that's... We can't look at professional athletes getting this as normal, everyday, working humans getting this. Like, it's just different. You know what I mean? It's just different. Rudy Gobert is a multiple-time defensive player of the year, multiple-time all-NBA selection, multiple-time NBA defensive team selection Rudy Gobert was months removed from from getting over COVID and he was saying hey man my body's not the same I still can't smell I still can't taste and 
who knows i'm not saying everyone is like that but that's the point right all of our bodies are completely different you look at rudy gobert then you look at cam newton and even though they're both supreme physical athletes right and they take care of themselves their bodies are completely different that's a visible something that we can see easily so who knows how cam newton's body responds to this virus as opposed to another elite athlete who months later after recovery was saying hey i'm still suffering from you know side effects i'm still not all the way back now then imagine having 200 plus to 300 pound men jump and tackle you i i think it's it's a saying that i hear from time to time right it's not an excuse sometimes it's just the reason you know what i mean like we live in this world where everybody oh i don't want to hear excuses pull yourself up no oh, don't make excuses well you know what sometimes and I'm, and I'm with that for from time to time but you know what sometimes it's not an excuse it's just the reality of the situation cam newton if you look at the first three games i want to say that he played this season and then you look at the last two it's a it's a clear stark difference now sure cam newton has to play better and i'm not excusing all of the bad throws that he had on COVID. no he has to own that regardless but i do think some of the you know you see jeff garcia now jeff fucking garcia matter of fact side note we all owe Tara Owens an apology. I want to, this should be the segment for real. You know what I'm saying? Matter of fact, I'm going to talk about this after I finish making my argument. But Jeff Garcia, I see your motherfucking ass. But look, I know if I were to get sick with COVID or anything, if I just got the flu and I chilled out for two weeks, you know, I do my push-ups. I do my, you know, running on the track and some pull-ups or whatever. Slim. When I get the flu and I'm done, I'm not out there like I was but prior to getting sick. It takes some time. Bill Belichick has come out on Monday and was like, dog, look, Cam Newton, this is without a question, he's our starter. The talk around Cam always fascinates me. He played poorly twice. Twice, okay? He just came back from COVID. They are literally former all pros on New England's defense who were just like, nah, Slim, we're not playing this year. And more than one. <laughs> okay, so yes, Cam Newton deserves criticism. He's the quarterback, so he's going to get the majority of it. But there's a lot of issues going on in New England, not just at Cam. So you know what? I do think we need to chill. Does he need to play better? Of course. There is no excusing that. No doubt. But before everybody rushes to... to rip cam and to say hi i told you so that's why they didn't want him like can we chill like we do this all the time Batman's was saying tom brady was washed three weeks into the season tom brady you know let's chill out okay because again the man just came back from covid 19 donovan kendrick nunn We've seen it in basketball. Kendrick Nunn played himself for not, I mean, was an all NBA rookie selection this year, was an integral part of the Miami Heat's team. And then the bubble happened. He gets sick and he is completely out of the rotation. 
because it took himself so long to get back. And then only because Gordon Dragic was injured was he placed back into the Miami Heat's rotation out of necessity. And then you start to see him play better. We have seen this. Rudy Gobert, Kendrick Nunn, and a list of other players that I'm not even familiar with. You understand? Like, let's give the man more than two weeks. Please. Another great argument, Armand. And because I enjoy these convos, I'm going to offer up a bit of free advice. Whatever you humans have been doing up there, stop before all your souls belong to me. But it's probably too late already. <laughs> Even when this motherfucker try to be nice, he's still a bitch. Ain't that a motherfucker. Anyway, like, it, it, it does kind of strike me. It, it's not even odd. It's, it's not even funny. It's just, it's telling. It's quite telling how Cam Newton consistently just irks so many people. Even in a moment where most, I think, rational people would offer empathy. Like, oh, man, he was playing so well early on. He's on a one-year deal. He's playing at league minimum. You know, he's been just basically disregarded, whatever the case may be. He started off playing well. Then he gets sick in a pandemic that has affected damn near most Americans, right? And now he's struggling. That's something that anyone can empathize, I, I would imagine, right? Like, that's not something that you have to muster up any type of fake empathy or sympathy. Like, one would be able to be like, damn. You know, whether you like him or not, and I'm not the biggest Cam Newton fan, but I'm still not moved off of my initial position. And I've seen so many people rush to the forefront to be like, aha, aha, you know, just like, you know, coming to America, aha, you know, he's, that's why no one wanted him. That's why team A, B, and C, that's why the Bears didn't want Cam Newton and traded for Nick Foles. Like, dog, can we chill just a bit? He's played poorly in two games. No one's running away from that. Hell, Cam has stood up, stood tall in the face of that. And he knows he has to play better. That team can't win if Cam Newton is playing like that. That's just not possible. But the man just came down with the sickness. <laughs> like the entire year has been shifted drastically because of this. And we want him to, to bounce back. In two weeks, he hadn't played. He wasn't able to practice. And like, no, whatever. You need to be playing like the former MVP or we're going to criticize you. How absurd is that? And fucking Jeff Garcia, I touched on it earlier. Jeff Garcia, who the fuck do you think you are? This is what I'm saying, bro. I may have to bring back an old oldie but goodie. Because I remember, I vividly remember I was working young guy in the time in the industry. And I remember people killing Terrell Owens. People kill T.O. You're not supposed to talk about your quarterback that way. Again, all T.O. did, he said two things. I'm not the one who forgot the plays and threw up. That's been fact checked, guys. That's what happened. And I would rather have Brett Favre than, Ter uh, than Donovan McNabb. Should he have been that honest? No. But we all say, we all swear we want our athletes to be candid. We all swear by that. Tio was correct in not wanting to play with Jeff Garcia. Jeff Garcia was an all-pro quarterback only because of Tio. 
And he was like, dog, I'm not trying to play with him. Now, he did say some homophobic statements to Jeff Garcia. We're not condoning that. But I remember vividly in the time he didn't like Jeff Garcia. And I'm, it made sense to me. Not This is not hindsight. This is actually in the moment. Early 2000s, I was like, yeah, if I was T.O., I wouldn't want to play for Jeff Garcia either. Then he goes to Philadelphia. And everybody was loving Donovan McNabb. Donovan McNabb is selling soup with his mama. Everybody loved Donovan McNabb. The man forgot to play in the Super Bowl. T.O. had to sign a waiver to play in the Super Bowl. And Bama's got mad at him because he wanted his money. And fast forward into 2018-17, and we find out Donovan McNabb is a serial sexual assaulter. You know what I'm saying? Like, we all owe T.O. an apology, but... Let's stay back into 2020. We also owe Cam Newton some time. We owe him some time. Two weeks. He can't play like this anymore. We get it. I got you. But now I'm not backing off my statement about how little logic NFL teams showed by trading significant assets or spending big-time money to get quarterbacks who are not as good as Cam who's playing at league minimum. No. It's going to take more than two games post-COVID-19 to move me off that position. I want to hear what you guys think, though. Have you? Do you feel that I was wrong? Is Cam, is Cam Newton more like these last two weeks or the first three weeks of the season? I want to hear your guys' thought, thoughts on that matter. Email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com or tweet at the show at quarterlyshow. And again, make sure you guys head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Download and subscribe to the show and rate and review as well. All right, guys, three quarters are in the books. And we're going to finish up this week with, quote-unquote, America's team. Because no entity, really, definitely no team in sports, signifies or embodies all that is wrong and all that is the reality, I should say. I don't want to. I don't want to dig too deep. The Dallas Cowboys are the personification of America in so many different ways, and I'm going to try to explain myself in our fourth topic this week. Fourth quarter. America's team. That's how I've always identified the Dallas Cowboys. Ever since I was a, a little boy, since I was born. You know, I'm, I'm assuming. Like many of you all, especially if you are from or have ties to the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, my father, God bless the dead, was a, a rabid Dallas Cowboy fan. My introduction into fanhood was through my father's passion for the Cowboys. Like my dad. My dad, like, I remember vividly being, you know, a kid, 10, 9 years old, outside playing with the guys around the neighborhood in the cul-de-sac or whatever. And, like, we playing whatever, and then all of a sudden you can hear, like, this loud, yeah, like, yes, yes. Like, we not even right in front of my home. Like, we we a block or so away. And, like, everybody look around like, man, what was that? And I'm like, oh, man, that's just my pops. Dead ass. That happens. But when I was 10, the Dallas Cowboys were in the midst of a dynasty. And it's just amazing when you look back at, you know, 
what, 96? 94? I, I forget. I, 96 must be 95 or 96. The last time they were a champion. And it's 25 years removed. And not even just from a championship. Because, again, we talked about this. You know, championships are hard. They are hard to win. I get that. They haven't been relevant from a win-loss perspective since that same time. You can count on one hand, I believe, the number of postseason wins the team has had since their heyday in ninety in the mid-90s. Maybe on two hands, but that's with at least three fingers left over, if not four. You feel me? Like the Dallas Cowboys of my youth, of many of you all who listens listens to me, of your youth, they're not here. And it doesn't seem like they're coming back. I saw some of the game this past Sunday of Washington and Dallas. And let me tell you, many people in D.C., and I'm not here to rain on anybody's parade. I'm not talking about the football team. I'm talking about Dallas. But I'm if from what I saw of that game, I saw two bad teams. It wasn't that Washington played well. I saw two bad teams. But one team, the team that comes in with all the hype, the team that people always talk about as being Super Bowl contenders, they looked like they didn't even belong on a, on a National Football League field. And that was Dallas. This is just days after anonymous sources from the team saying, hey, man, the head coach and the coaching staff, they don't know what they're doing. We don't believe in them. The head coach and coaching staff, this is like their seventh game. How are you already having anonymous sources leaking that type of stuff seven games into a tenure? I said this so many times referring to the, the one team that I love. I can spot dysfunction. I can spot an awful organization. No leadership. I can spot it because I've been living in it for 20 years. My team has been bad since 2001. Almost exactly identical, like, correlates with James Dolan. Almost. Not not entirely. It took him a, like, it took him a year. But. Because I've lived through it, I can always tell. You can always see the bad organizations, and it always seeps in. And it's usually like you have to you have to kind of dig for it. The first tell, for me at least, is a meddling owner. I can't stand it. I can't stand it at all. But here's the thing with Dallas. Not only do you not have to dig for the meddling owner, the owner is confident is proud about how he handles the business he and his son are the general managers <laughs> you know what i'm saying like he has a post-game interview and he's done it consistently and almost like with james dolan there was a year where he had a grace period took over a team that went to the finals the next year, they went to the Eastern Conference Championship. And after that, first round exit and then trash. Jerry Jones took over, famously fired Tom Landry. And then, you know, they had that situation. But then, you know what? Jimmy Johnson came and Jimmy Johnson 
after a little rough period to start, Dynasty. Jerry and Jimmy, famously, they kind of butted heads and they separated. And two years later, Barry Switzer won a championship. And that was kind of like the transition. It took that two years to kind of just ride that wave. And Barry Switzer did it. And then after that, you've seen what the results have been. Just, just complete and utter failure. But here's where it gets interesting, right? Because they are still America's team because they continue to draw ratings. The Dallas Cowboys are one of the worst teams in the league right now. They were on Monday Night Football last Monday. They will be on Sunday Night Football next Sunday. And then three weeks later or four weeks later, they have the annual Thanksgiving game. And I'm sure, I'm not sure, but they'll probably be on another national televised game again. And we all watch. And when I say we, I mean we as a sporting public because I could care less. I couldn't care less about watching the Cowboys. I just really couldn't. But they always do numbers. And, you know, I titled this episode Keeping Up With The Kardashians, right? I play off the Kardashians. And I'm not here to to denigrate or to talk negatively about that that family. You know, they, they've been very successful. But, like, you can see it. Their success is about the way they can keep your interest in the in the amount of money that they can make. But it's not necessarily about anything substantial. And again, I'm not trying to disrespect that family. But y'all know what time it is. The Kardashians aren't famous because they helped get Alice Johnson out of jail. They're famous for a lot of other different reasons. Several. What are the Cowboys fans? Like, we're multiple generations have passed since the Cowboys were the team that made my dad scream in, in in celebration right the team that i always saw and i always identified as winning 25 years have passed of losing and losing in spectacular fashion it's now to the point that they're still america's team but we don't identify them with winning we identify them with losing and now you have all of these commentators on television and radio who have to have a position on Dallas. So you have Stephen A tweet out these little things of him dancing after every loss. It's like clockwork now. Because you have to find a way to talk about them. Tony Romo, and he's phenomenal, don't get me wrong. He left, got a A plus job, and he's one of the like he's good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking Tony Romo. Not knocking Troy Aikman. I actually like Troy Aikman. I know a lot of people can't stand him. Whatever. When I watch Troy Aikman call games, I think he's really good as well. Daryl Johnson has a job. Jason Witten had Monday Night Football, and it was obvious to anyone paying attention that he wasn't going to be good. Like, you go down the line. You have to get someone to associate with the Dallas Cowboys franchise. NFL Network has Michael Irvin. They used to have Dion. It's just get somebody from Dallas. And we all cool with it. It's almost like it's like a wink, wink, nah, nah. We all understand it. And I'm just thinking, yo, why not the Steelers? That's a team who has won consistently each decade. 
last undefeated team now still. The, the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, why not? I don't know. There's so many marquee, the 49ers, there's so many marquee teams and organizations. And you don't have to always, the Green Bay Packers, you don't have to always win a Super Bowl, but just be competitive. Everybody says, oh, man, Aaron Rodgers, he hadn't won a Super Bowl in over a decade or whatever. He was in the NFC Championship game last year. When's the last time you could say that about Romo or Dak or Drew Bledsoe or, I mean, Quincy Carter, Drew Hanson, like, whatever, like, whomever they trot out. It's the same mess over and over again. Doesn't matter Bill Parcells. Doesn't matter Wade Phillips. Doesn't matter Mike McCarthy. Like, you just go through. It doesn't matter. Because the owner, it's obvious. Same reason with the Knicks. Tom Thibodeau, I think he's a good head coach. It's not going to matter. Because James Dolan, Ron Rivera, whatever you feel about him, you can think whatever. Mike Shanahan, whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> because of Snyder. Again, the easiest tell. Look at the owner. Look at the owner. And you can... I'm not saying that Jerry Jones doesn't want to win, but I think Jerry Jones wants to run a business more. And he wants to profit. And that team continues to rake in money, and it's it's just beyond me. They don't have to win. The Lakers are kind of what the Cowboys are in the basketball world, and we've talked about this. They're on average, since 1980, Right, this has been what the eleventh win since nineteen eighty for the Lakers. So in forty years, they've got eleven championships. It's basically one every four years. The Lakers are synonymous with excellence and winning. The Yankees were that for so long in baseball. The Red Sox have been that since the turn of the century. The Giants have also, you know, you have these teams that win a lot and are extremely successful. And yet the Cowboys continue to be mentioned among them. And I always ask why. What have they done besides be relevant because of who they are? Because of past success. Because of how they look like. The jerseys look nice, right? They've got the real pretty, the big names on the marquee. The big names who don't do anything. All draft day, I heard about C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb this, C.D. Lamb that. I saw this brother drop passes over and over again this past Sunday, and that won't be the only game. It's a perfect, it's a perfect kind of encapsulation of how we are as a society, man. Our love for the Dallas Cowboys is based off of past success. It's based off surface level, you know, very, very, like, the helmets look nice. This is their reputation. It's not based off of anything of substance. Because for a quarter of a century, they have been awful. They have been trash. The Washington football team has also been awful during that same period of time. And their kind of storied history, it's taken a hit. The Knicks have never been on the level of Washington and Dallas in the NFL. 
But there was a time in the 90s where the Knicks were like kind of, okay, this is New York, this is the Mecca, boom. The Knicks' reputation has fallen off a cliff multiple times. You go through the Raiders. The Raiders, again, one of these storied organizations. They went to the Super Bowl in the 2000s, but they have taken a hit. They're trying to build it back up currently, but they took a significant hit. All of these teams, no matter the sport, take hits. Reputation is damaged, but for whatever reason, that avoids Dallas. Dallas continues to get the marquee time slots. They continue to get guys retired straight into the booth. Doesn't matter. We continue to talk about them. This is one of the only times I've talked about them because I'm, I'm fed up. And I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss when I see Dallas dominate all of these shows. And the only reason they do it is because they are still generating interest. Understand, I, I know why they dominate. I know why they're A block. I know why they get all of these prized, you know, time slots and all of these national televised games. I know why all of their former players get automatic spots in the booth. It's because America loves them. When they say that they are America's team, they mean it. We watch them. We buy their jerseys. We go to that stadium, buy tickets to see them more than any other team. So I ask you, what does that say about us? <laughs> what does it say about us that we can't, that we are so, so interested? We are so attracted to the Kardashians in reality TV and in reality in sports. We can't avoid it. We don't want to turn away. Because it's not the winning. It's not the substance. Just Win Baby was famously quoted for the Raiders, but winning obviously doesn't matter. Not in the NFL, not for America's team. Because this past Sunday, or last Monday night, or next Sunday night, you'll see incompetence at an all-time level, all-time low. But we'll continue to draw a rating for them. Yes, despite the fact that they can't win, despite the fact that they are a picture of dysfunction, despite the fact that their owner seemingly cares more about a dollar than he does winning, all of that speaks to exactly why they are. Yes, the Dallas Cowboys are America's team. And it's fitting because sports is a mirror inside into society. I truly believe that. And the fact that the Dallas Cowboys in 2020, despite being one of the worst run organizations for decades, the fact that they are still America's team shows the world a glimpse to what's going on in our society, brother. Damn. And the great words of Ron Simmons, you know. Well, that's the way we're going to end the show this week. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it thus far, or not just thus far. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this week's episode, but it has have enjoyed all 167 episodes thus far. You know, that that's my way of kind of glossing over that, man. If you haven't listened to all episodes, all 167, man, do yourself a favor, man. Go ahead, check it out. Download and subscribe to the show. 
show and you'll have access to every single episode man we've come a long way i like to think that we've had a really really strong last four or five months man i, I hope that you guys really have enjoyed these shows as much as i've enjoyed making them and we continue to build momentum and i want to thank each and every one of you all for doing that before we go again house Head on over to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Overcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure you guys are downloaded and subscribed. And if you don't mind, please rate and review the show. Let your friends, let me, let the entire world know why you enjoy this podcast, the Quarterly Report Podcast. Again, I want to thank each and every one of you all for rocking with me this week. Make sure you guys wear masks, wash your fucking hands, stay safe. And I'll catch you guys back here next Tuesday for another episode of the Quarterly Report Podcast.